Welcome, I'm Anastasia Glova bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Full and edited versions of our podcasts are available on our website at www.cato.org. In Tuesday's Connecticut primary, sitting Senator Joseph Lieberman lost the Democratic nomination for the Senate seat to Ned Lamont, previously unknown in his party and his state. In today's podcast, we'll talk to Cato President Edward Crane about how Lamont managed to wrangle the Democratic nomination from an incumbent senator and what this means for election reform. How did a political unknown like Ned Lamont defeat a three-term political incumbent in the Connecticut primary? Lamont won because he was able to enfranchise the tens of thousands of Democrats in Connecticut who were strongly or are strongly against the war in Iraq. How was he able to do that? Because he's a wealthy multimillionaire who spent his own money. More than 60 percent of the money he spent in that campaign was his own money. And I think that raises a very interesting question. I mean, Lamont was not a good candidate. He's not articulate. He's got zero charisma. And yet, because he was right on the issues from the standpoint of Connecticut Democrats, he was able to win. And why aren't more incumbents knocked out? And the reason is the, the campaign finance laws. There are contribution limits uh, for federal candidates of just over $2,000. And I think no observer of the Lamont-Lieberman race would have given a challenger to Lieberman a snowball's chance in hell of winning had they been subjected to the $2,000 limit. So I think liberals and conservatives alike should look at this race and realize, you know, these campaign finance laws are protecting incumbents. And I think that's what they're designed to do. So you're saying that Lamont would not have been able to defeat Lieberman if he could not rely on his personal wealth for campaign spending? That's right. The 1974 amendments to the Federal Election Campaign Act had one loophole in it. Actually, there was one other good aspect of the Supreme Court decision in Buckley v. Vallejo, which came out in 1976, and that was that the spending limits that Congress had passed with the 74 amendments uh, were shot down. The Supreme Court said they infringed the First Amendment. And how you can say spending limits offend the First Amendment, but contribution limits don't, is beyond me, because obviously the two are related. Nevertheless, they also said that the $1,000 limit that they put in at the time, now $2,000, was supposed to get rid of the appearance of corruption, as though congressmen and senators can be bought off for $1,000. I mean, it's absurdly low level. But using that rationale, the appearance of corruption, they felt that a candidate couldn't have contribution limits because how can you corrupt yourself? And so that created this loophole. There's an interesting parallel, by the way, to this race in Connecticut, and that is the 1968 presidential campaign of Eugene McCarthy. McCarthy got six-figure contributions from wealthy liberals like Stuart Mott and others because they opposed the Vietnam War. Now, it turned out that none of the major party candidates for president besides McCarthy were opposed to the Vietnam War, but tens of millions of Americans were. And so, because McCarthy was able to get large contributions, he enfranchised tens of millions of Americans and really kind of diffused the real tension in our society. Uh, his campaign was effective enough to knock out a sitting president, Lyndon Johnson, and his own party. And McCarthy often said afterwards, had the 74 amendments with a $1,000 contribution limit been in place, he would not have even run for president. So these laws are impacting our history as a nation. 
They shouldn't do that. And they also infringe on our liberty. I mean, in a free society, you should be able to spend as much of your own money as you want to promote your political ideals. So the loophole in Buckley v. Vallejo is effectively the only way that a challenger has to oust an incumbent? It's not the only chance, but the limit that was placed on contributions is specifically designed to prevent contributors from seriously challenging incumbents. It was created by incumbents for incumbents, and it works very well. One of the problems, too, that the contribution limit creates is that you don't get as high a quality of candidate. A lot of very effective people look at the prospect of spending six, eight hours a day asking for $2,000 contributions, and they say, no, it's not worth it. You'd get better candidates and, and certainly more competitive races. I mean, we shouldn't have a situation in the United States where we're going around lecturing the world on the need for democracy, and in ours, it's dysfunctional. We have 98.5% re-election rates in the House, and that's directly related to these changes in the law that limited what a person can contribute to a campaign for federal office. How does McCain-Feingold legislation measure up against the First Amendment? Not well at all. I mean, the legislation, among other things, makes it a crime in the United States of America to buy a radio or television ad and even mention the name of a candidate for federal office within 60 days of a general election. To me, that's appalling. That's a huge infringement on the First Amendment. But then again, John McCain has demonstrated a disdain for the First Amendment. He was on national television this spring And he said, if I had to choose between clean government and, quote, First Amendment rights, I'd take clean government. Well, please, how in the world can you have a clean government if you don't have freedom of expression? But it's typical of McCain. All of this legislation infringes on free political expression. And it's very dangerous stuff. And I think that Ned Lamont's victory over Lieberman is a case study in why we should get rid of this campaign reform legislation. How does limiting the use of personal wealth and the wealth of your alkalites in campaign financing limit free speech? Money is a proxy for speech. It's a proxy for information. There was a study that the Harvard Kennedy School and and the Washington Post did some time back that showed that more than 80% of Americans don't even know the name of their congressman. The idea that we're spending too much money on campaigns is ludicrous. We need to spend more. Money is, quite simply, a proxy for speech, and it should not be limited in campaigns. This has been Cato Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening.